Welcome, everybody, and thanks for joining us on episode 45 of Health Talk with Dr. Kel. We are at the end of our What Is series. In week one, episode 38, we discussed what is chiropractic. In week two, episode 39, we discussed what is acupuncture. In week three, episode 40, we discussed what is hypnosis. In week four, episode 41, we discussed what is naturopathy. In week five, episode 42, we discussed what is iridology. In week six, episode 43, we discussed what is reflexology. Last week, in episode 44, we discussed what is Reiki. This week, we're discussing what are chakras and yoga. Chakras are the seven energy centers in your body that correspond to specific internal organs and nerve bundles. They run from the base of your spine to the top of your head. If they get blocked, you may experience emotional or physical symptoms related to that particular chakra. Yoga is a spiritual discipline that focuses on breath control and simple meditation while adopting specific body positions. It is practiced for health and relaxation. Doing yoga is a great way to balance your chakras. Each chakra has a corresponding yoga pose. Today, we will discuss the seven chakras and how we can help to balance them with practices such as yoga. Namaste. Welcome, everybody, to Health Talk with Dr. Kel. I'm Nikki Sterner, and this is podcast number 45, What Are Chakras and Yoga? Hi, Dr. Kel. Hi, Nikki. Thanks for joining us, as always. Oh. I'm excited about this podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, (laughs) you're always invited. (laughs) It's yours. (laughs) All right, so before we get started, let's do the quote of the day. Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself by George Bernard Shaw. What do you think about that, Dr. Cal? Right on. Right on. But everybody... I mean, we talk a lot about finding ourselves, right? Who are we really? Yeah. It's like the be yourself, be who you are. Everybody's like, what am I? It's confusing, right? It just find yourself. I think those terms just confuse people. Confuses me. Psychologically, we are in development. It's like I look at it as like the body where we're in a constant state of detoxification. Uh, because mm-hmm. we're constantly exposed to things that are harmful to us. So our body's sure. constantly in a state of, of ridding itself of those things. Um, same way, I think, with the brain and, and your mental and social development, it's just ongoing. And every experience that occurs in your life adds to that ongoing creation of whatever you are. But then when you look at... Yeah. Uh, the aged person, I mean, that's the crazy thing, I think, about life and and makes it even more difficult to understand how you start out learning, you grow as a child and are taught, and then you go through adolescence and more experiences and more development and realizing what you are or how you act and react to things in life. And, and then you develop all these memories or you have children or your jobs and all these things accumulate and then... You get older, and all of a sudden the brain says, hmm, I can't remember anything anymore. <laughs> and you <laughs> recede into this. Uh, uh, if you become really old and your brain is really affected because you haven't taken care of yourself and you've put all these, that goes back to that toxic 
body and your inability to get rid of toxins and your brain quits working right and you end your life uh, not knowing who you are or what you are. So <laughs> <laughs> That toxic you know, tipping point, right? You definitely didn't find yourself at the end. What, you, what you've created or what you think you created is uh, probably hits its peak. Well, for some people, I know, like my father died at 89 and his brain was still quite intact. Uh, my mother, who's now uh, almost 89, uh, she never listens to the podcast, so I'm okay. Her mind is almost gone, her body too, but mm -hmm. she still fights for existence, but, but can't remember much and, and constantly repeats things that uh, mm. happened just minutes ago, so or, or doesn't remember. So it's. I feel like creating yourself is more active versus finding yourself is more. Um, I want to feel like a meditative state, like allowing things to happen. You know what I mean? Yes. That's very good. Nikki. Like you're very wise. Internalizing yeah. like what's actually happening is how you kind of find yourself. Like what are you perceiving? And I don't well, know. You, you don't typically, I, I think of finding yourself may necessarily not include goals We're creating yourself. It yeah. needs a plan, right? The uh, pe people should always come up with some kind of a plan. Are you just living day to day? No plan. Got a job you don't like, you know, relationships that you don't really care for. Are you making a plan on how to improve those things or, or move on to something else that will bring you some enjoyment and purpose and happiness? You know, I, I would guess that's more along the lines of what he was actually talking about. So, Yes, how yeah, does it relate today to what we're talking about today? I think it relates a lot. What's the title, Nikki? What are chakras and yoga? Yes, what are chakras and yoga? It's an interesting topic, uh, and we'll get into that in a minute, but we're going to do an article of the day. And this one's called Potential Dangers of Increased Melatonin Use for Sleep. Have okay. you ever used melatonin? No, but I do have a supplement that I didn't realize has melatonin in it. I haven't used it yet, but okay. I'm interested to hear about this. Okay, well, there's a lot of, more and more people, a lot more people are taking melatonin if they have sleep issues. The problem is that uh, it may not be something that melatonin can help. Melatonin is a hormone uh, created by the pineal gland, just to mention also cortisol, which comes from the adrenal glands. Those two work together as part of your circadian cycle. As you wake up in the morning, your cortisol levels are typically high, and as the day goes on and it becomes dark, then the pineal gland is triggered to produce melatonin, which actually is relaxing to the body. It doesn't necessarily mm. get you to a point of taking you into something like REM sleep or deep sleep. It's just more relaxative. And, but people mm. are trying to use it for all kinds of things. And so I thought... This article was a good one to talk a little bit more about it. This one's from Medical News Today, and we'll post this in the notes in the description for the link if you want to read a little more detail about the article. But let me just mm -hmm. um, cover some highlights in the article itself. It says, A good night's sleep is essential for good physical health, cognitive performance, and emotional functioning. Numerous sleep studies have documented these facts over time. More and more adults are taking over-the-counter melatonin preparations to get a better night's rest. But some of them may be taking this substance at dangerously high levels. 
Experts worry that the coronavirus pandemic's negative effect on sleep has further increased the reliance on melatonin and other sleeping aids. So mm. let's see here. Uh, there is the article talks about the increased use of melatonin has doubled and even tripled in the last last uh, 15 years or so, and keeps going up and up and up. Uh, and so people are assuming that melatonin is going to uh, help them more. Uh, there's been different studies done with melatonin. Five milligrams appears to be a, a, a dosage that is common. Uh, one to two to three seems to be of benefit when uh, uh, you're just trying to relax before bed. See, your, your body should be making enough melatonin. If it's not, uh, if melatonin, <laughs> adding melatonin to your system actually helps you, there's something going on that's causing your pineal gland to not produce enough. You may have other health issues going on that you're unaware of. And then there's always the fear of if you start taking a, an additional substance uh, that your body's already producing, that your body will, know, will reduce its production of that thing even more. Mm -hmm. And so that if you stop taking it, now the body's even more messed up because it's not producing it because you're supplying it with it out, outside your body. The other issue with melatonin is most of what you're going to get over the counter is uh, manufactured as a synthetic mm -hmm. form of melatonin. Mm -hmm. It's not from a natural source. Two other natural sources are actually taken from animals, which I don't recommend. We don't want to hurt the little animals, right? The other source is from bacteria. They can produce melatonin from forms of bacteria. And I would oh. say that's the source you probably want to go with uh, instead of made synthetically in a lab. So anyway... Let's see, let's talk a little bit about the regulatory systems in the body. See, the body's biological clock regulates hormonal fluctuations, which evolve over a person's lifespan. As a result, aging often affects activities such as sleep and wake patterns, which in some cases become increasingly disrupted and fragmented. Melatonin is a key hormone that governs the body's circadian rhythms. Circadian rhythms play an influential role in certain aspects of our bodily functions and behaviors. They also play a significant part in sleep regulation and overall health, good health in humans. And their disruption can have numerous consequences. Negative consequences of sleep deprivation. Well, we all know that. I think we've all had periods, or most of us had periods with uh, lack of sleep, uh, less positive mood, feelings of stress, cold and sleepy, on and on yeah. and on, fatigue can relate lack of sleep to all kinds of disorder, increased inflammation in the body, on and on and on. So it's important people sleep. And so when you can't sleep, you're willing to try just about anything. So here in this article by a Dr. Castriata, talks about melatonin use. I just want to cover that a little bit here. Melatonin is safe and effective in certain circumstances in managing circadian rhythm disorders, but is not a very good hypnotic. And a hypnotic drug is one that induces sleep. Currently, evidence that melatonin helps relieve insomnia is patchy. There is significantly significant improvement in sleep latency and total sleep time with a lack of consensus on whether these are clinically meaningful. See here. Melatonin is remarkably effective in preventing or reducing jet lag, and occasional short-term use appears to be safe. So, didn't know that. Didn't know you could use it in jet lag, but... Uh, I'll give that a try sometime. Yeah. See, it should be recommended to adult travelers flying across five or more time zones, particularly in an easterly direction. Interesting. 
and especially if they have experienced jet lag on previous journeys. Yeah, going to that remembers reminds me when I went to China a few years ago. I had serious jet lag, and that was definitely really? going east. <laughs> so, huh. see, <laughs> higher doses, six to twelve milligrams melatonin, may be useful in REM behavior disorder, and may play a role in cancer. Wow. Okay, and may play a role in cancer prevention and treatment. Hadn't heard that one before either. Several unpleasant side effects may occur with regular melatonin use. Dizziness, stomach cramps, headaches, nausea, confusion or disorientation, depression, irritability, anxiety, low blood pressure and tremors. It sounds like things you might get with lack of sleep as well. So, yeah, they uh, interesting. Also, connection uh, with melatonin, the receptor sites that... Uh, create insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. Taking excessive amounts of, ins of melatonin could have a connection with type 2 diabetes in, in a bad way. Hmm. Patients, that, go ahead. Sorry, that was anything over 6 milligrams? Yeah, 6 to 12. Hide. Yeah. yeah, that was a concern. Um, so I would say anywhere from 1 to 5 milligrams is considered okay. See, patients may use it to self-treat, poor sleep, and thus delay or forego evaluation and thus proper proven treatments of underlying causes. Uh, obstructive sleep apnea may cause insomnia-like symptoms and it may lead to serious long-term health problems. They're basically, like we've said many times in the podcast before, self-diagnosis is never a good thing <laughs> unless you've been dealing with a problem for a long, long time and really become educated on your condition or issue. Uh, you should yeah. always seek out a professional, and as I always say, too, never hurts to get a second and third opinion, because you're not always yeah. going to get the same thing from this, from uh, two people. And if you do, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, if you go to two people and they pretty much give you the same diagnosis, you're probably reasonably on track. But if you go to two and they're opposing or different, definitely want to see a third or even a fourth. Okay, here's another one. See, melatonin products may also contain varying levels of other substances like serotonin, a precursor to melatonin, which in excess can cause even life-threatening side effects, which may further contribute to varying side effects of other types. So uh, be careful with the melatonin you buy. could have things like uh, serotonin in them, which is not a good thing, according to this article. Okay, here's the end. The takeaways. So far, it appears that the short-term use of melatonin is safe for people who work variable shifts, experience jet lag, or find it difficult to fall asleep. However, according to the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health, part of the National Institutes of Health, the long-term effects are unknown. Due to the increasing use of melatonin by the U.S. population and the resulting public health implications, further studies are necessary to advise consumers of the potential health risks. Should you try melatonin if you can't sleep? I'm not for it. Personally, a lot of people using it, I think you're messing up your system. You need to figure out what's causing your problem, sleep problem to begin with, and go see your natural health care provider like myself is going to look at the reasons for your lack of sleep differently than if you go to a medical doctor for sleep issues and sleep problems. For instance, they often, first thing they go for is uh, some form of sleep apnea, put you on the uh, machines that will help you breathe better. They think that maybe you're having periods of lack of t taking in air, uh, which can be part of the problem, but you know what? Something physically is causing that. So there are ways to mm. naturally 
heal your body to get rid of the sleep apnea. You got to diagnose the problem first and that diagnosis can come in different forms and from different ways. Looking at the whole body, looking at your physical condition, your emotional condition, your nutritional condition, all those things play a part in, in sleep and we've talked about sleep in the past and have on podcasts so and we'll talk more about it over time. Any questions, Nikki? Well, I remember working at a um it was a holistic healthcare center and they did have a lot of people that were having sleep issues and they would give them melatonin. I think it was like three milligram or five milligram and say take one at night. I never took it, but um, I just remember that a lot of people were taking that and they were saying, yeah, that it was helpful for preventing cancer, hmm. but that was probably four years ago or something. So I don't know. Yeah. In the United States, I don't you know can't personally. Make- that was a medical article that mentioned the cancer. Now, it didn't go into detail as to what effects it would even play. And we'll do a podcast on cancer here in the near future because I think people need to understand just what causes cancer. And I don't want to get into that now. I'm not sure about the connection between melatonin and cancer. We're not going to claim that it has anything to do with it. But Right. I don't know. They also did um, the bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and that you know that was also kind of a I don't want to say risky treatment but like it's not mainstream there must have been medical doctor on staff doing those kinds of things I assume now unfortunately today in society and this is what I tell people they need to be very careful in a lot of healthcare practices the main focus unfortunately is money and granted people need to make a living but sometimes there's all these experimental treatments out there with an improper diagnosis. So it's kind of like someone walking in and going, oh, you have a problem sleeping? It's kind of like going to, unfortunately, a medical doctor where mm-hmm. he looks at your group of symptoms. He makes a diagnosis based on those symptoms. Okay, you've got uh, this problem. You've got high blood pressure. Okay, here, go take this high blood pressure medication. We'll give that a try mm-hmm. for a few weeks. Oh, that one didn't really work. Here we got another one. That one oh, here we yeah. got another one. Well, in the same way with someone walks in to some places and they say, I can't sleep. And they go, hmm, well, let's see. Oh, I've heard melatonin works. Here, try some melatonin. Let's go see yeah. if that works. Okay, but we don't do that in our clinic. What we do is we yeah. figure out, do a thorough evaluation to come up with a an educated and and again in all situations educated conclusion to what your problem is and we use many different avenues of analysis to to figure out what those things are so that we can narrow down the reason that's happening you know can we ultimately figure out you know what your melatonin levels are low we recommend melatonin see if that will help but more than likely we're going to say oh there's something going on with your pineal gland it's not functioning normally. Okay, how can we naturally help you to boost the function of your pineal gland so it will restore your normal flow of, of melatonin to your body? There you go. And, and that's what you want. Someone suffering from sleep apnea often has a chronic inflammatory process going in, on in their body. So we're going to figure out what that process is, the problem with their gut, their liver, their kidneys, their, their lungs, their heart. What are they lacking? What nutrients may be lacking that are leading to those symptoms? You see what I'm getting at? You need to look at yeah. things overall and, and not just make a, a judgment call 
uh, based on a few simple questions and slap out a diagnosis and give them a pill. And that's what you, most of the time you get. The medical doctor, depending on your condition, you know, they'll run a bunch of tests, they'll take a blood test, and more money's made off running tests than anything else. Hospitals, mm -hmm. and we do a lot of in-office testing as well. But ultimately, we try to take out the guesswork, and it goes back to the body. The body has the ability of heal itself if you remove the interference and, and supply it with what's needed to help it heal itself, uh, whatever that yeah. may be. And so today, we're talking about chakras. Okay. You know what a chakra is, Nikki? Um, I feel like it's an area of your body that has, like, an energy in it. But, I mean, there's, like, is there seven of them? Well, I spend a lot of time. I have to admit that uh, um, Asian religions, uh, really chakras, and the idea of chakras came really back from Hinduism and Buddhism. And so it has a religious aspect. But... I never really spent a lot of time learning about chakras and familiar with them. There's seven main chakras. I looked up some definitions, so I'm just going to share a few things here, and then as I go along, we can have a little discussion. Here, this came from uh, Britannia.com, okay? Encyclopedia Britannica used to be quite popular when I was small. Uh, so anyway, yeah. this is a def they give definitions, information here. Uh, there's different spellings of the word chakra, but it's C-H-A-K-R-A is the typical spelling and it means wheel so any of a number of psychic energy centers of the body prominent in the physiological practices of certain forms of hinduism and tantric buddhism the chakras are conceived as focal points where psychic forces and bodily functions merge with and interact with each other among the supposed 88,000 chakras in the human body Six major ones located roughly along the spinal cord. Another one located just above the crown of the skull are of principal importance. Each of these seven major chakras in Hinduism and four in Buddhism is associated with a specific color, shape, sense organ, natural element, deity, and mantra. I always found the mantra interesting. You know what the mantra is? The word that you say that's related to the chakra. See, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. The most important of these is the lowest chakra, Muladhara, located in the base of the spine, and the highest, Sahasrara, at the top of the head. I'm probably not saying those completely <laughs> correct, so if you're into, I'm, I'm sure someone will probably get an email about correcting the pronunciation here. See, uh, anyway, this article talks about a mysterious divine potency that the individual attempts by yogic techniques. So there's connection to yoga, Yoga is actually involved with the chakras in the sense that uh, it's helping to balance your energy. And these seven chakras are really, just think of them as energy sections in your body. I also looked up uh, WebMD talks about uh, chakras because I wanted to get the medical perspective on this. It says there, some spiritual views hold that our body is more than just physical and mental. It's also an energetic system called chakras. Chakra is a Sanskrit word that means wheel or cycle. There are seven main chakras situated along the spine from the base of your spine to the crown of your head. The age-old belief has become integrated into many new age styles of thought. So that's coming from WebMD. The uh, chakras are thought to provide subtle energy that helps your organs, mind, and intellect work at their best level. Chakras and spiritual energy have not been thoroughly examined in medical studies, but they may help you think about your own mind and body like any religion or belief. They're not really running it down on WebMD. 
not building it up either. Mm -hmm. The uh, making it more sound like it's mystical. As I've read more and more about chakras, its reference to energy in the body and the way it flows is really you can see the connections there between acupuncture, Reiki, uh, some of the mind-body work that we do. That there's the effects of energy flow throughout the body and how they interact. And one of the things that uh, Indian or Asian areas of you know Buddhism and Hinduism how they interact and relate to the perception of of energy flowing through your body and and that these chakras if if the energy is blocked which connects to acupuncture too I always talked about blocked energy flow mm-hmm. then it can affect the way your systems in your body work and if nothing else I'm absolutely convinced they're connected to your emotional well-being as we go through this a little bit we'll talk about the chakras a little bit in the seven ones and what they're connected to emotionally and how they've okay okay and so i'm going to get off of webmd and i'm going to go to what our chakras uh this is on arhantayoga.org um so i figured mm. this was a good source a better source a more updated source of uh, what all this is about and i'll just mm-hmm. share this one more time here chakras are the energy centers of the body they're located in the astral body or which might be considered you know what we would call our spirit it's located along the spine starting in its base and running upwards to the crown of the head the astral body is the energy body residing inside our physical body each physical body part has a corresponding astral body part the astral body cannot be seen or touched this is also a reason why we cannot see the chakras the chakras radiate a specific color and energy and each one coincides with the gland in the physical body since each chakra relates to specific spiritual, emotional, psychological, and physical aspects of our well-being. It is believed that their blockage or malfunction can lead to physical, psychological, and emotional disorders. The consequence, awareness, and balance of these energy centers, on the other hand, is believed to lead to well-being and good health. And that is one of the purposes of yoga. Through asana practice, yoga seeks to stimulate and balance these chakras or energy centers in the body. As you're performing yoga and repeating the mantra, the understanding is is that's helping to restore balance to the flow of energy within those chakras. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. And so other people will just meditate. You know, you've seen people cross their legs and, and repeat a word. Uh, almost sounds like humming and and so they're doing that to balance a given chakra they believe is out of balance. There are many myths about the shape of the chakras. Some say they are like whirling discs, while others believe they are like flowers hanging from the spine. Some people even think that they resemble an ice cream cone. All these different ideas exist <laughs> simply because the chakras cannot be seen by the eyes or by any device. So we tend to believe whatever becomes commonly circulated. The ancient scriptures... Hindu and Buddhist scriptures say that a chakra is shaped like a sphere or ball. It is even believed that planet Earth is a major chakra of the solar system and a minor chakra of our galaxy, the Milky Way. It rotates to distribute some energy, but knowing more about this remains beyond the scope of the human imagination. What is the size of chakra? Some people say that chakras are one foot in radius, while others say they change their size according to the energy flow. Scriptures, on the other hand, tell us that the chakras are very small 
as they are located in the astral spinal cord, which is further located inside the physical spinal cord. So depending on your beliefs uh, in that, they could vary in size, shape, and location. So now we talk about the types of chakras and what they're connected to. So the root chakra, Muladhara, or root chakra is the color red. It is located in the base of the spine between the anus and the genitals. It is characterized by the emotions of survival, stability, ambition, and self-sufficiency. When this chakra is out of balance, a person starts feeling unstable, ungrounded, lack of ambition, lack of purpose, fearful, insecure, and frustrated. However, when the root chakra is balanced, these are replaced by more positive emotions and you feel stable, confident, balanced, energetic, independent, and strong. So there you go. And the, uh, the mantra used is Islam, L-A-M. So I suppose, the, and they were feeling their, their root chakra. Sense a lack of energy and creativity. Feel impulsive or obsessed with sexual thoughts. When balanced, it makes one feel more vibrant, happy, positive, satisfied, compassionate, and intuitive. This uh, mantra is BAM, B-A-M. So... Interesting. Any questions there or comments? Uh, so the, the sacral was sexual and creativity? Basic needs for sexuality as well as creativity and self-worth. And self-worth. Okay. The next one is the solar plexus chakra or Manipura chakra. The color of this is yellow. Oh, and the last one, if I didn't say so, I thought I did, was orange. See, the Manipura orange. chakra is located in the solar plexus between the navel and the bottom of the rib cage. I'm sorry, it is characterized by emotions like ego, anger, and aggression. An imbalance of the solar plexus chakra can manifest physically as digestive problems, liver problems, or diabetes. On an emotional level, one might struggle with depression, lack of self-esteem, anger, and perfectionism. By balancing this chakra, we feel more energetic, confident, productive, and focused. So you can see there's overlap. And they all work together. Mm -hmm. uh, the mantra here would be Ram, R-A-M. So the next one is the Anahata Chakra, or Heart Chakra. You mentioned you thought your Heart Chakra might have been affected. This is the color green, and it's the element of air. As the name implies, the Anahata Chakra is located in the heart region. This chakra is the seat of balance and is characterized by emotions of love attachment, compassion, trust, and passion. When the heart chakra is imbalanced, a person may deal with emotional issues like anger, lack of trust, anxiety, jealousy, fear, and moodiness. By harmonizing this energy center, a person begins to feel more compassionate, caring, optimistic, friendly, and motivated. The mantra is yam or yam, Y-A-M. Like anything, when you look at using this in a practice like we have, and one of the things now that I've spent a little time on this, I think I'll start using it a little bit more in my diagnosis as well, easily test to see if chakras are part of the problem through balancing, through muscle testing, uh, and then uh, applying, you know, one of the things like, obviously with what they do as far as giving you a form of treatment or helping you to balance your chakras would be through doing yoga, repeating the mantra, or doing meditation, repeating the mantra, 
uh, and that's about balancing your energy. The other ways that we do it are using uh, magnets. Uh, magnets affect the energy balance. You can activation the acupuncture points. Uh, balancing energy in the body, that's, that's what's kind of cool about chiropractic too. I mean, this talks about how all these chakras follow the spine up to the top of the head. What are adjustments, manipulation of the spine doing? Balancing, we, we don't talk much about how it balances energy flow, but we know it balances nerve flow, blood flow, circulation. So obviously there's got to be a connection to the energy flow as well. Just mm -hmm. makes sense. So there, I didn't realize before how much it can tie back into uh, manipulation of the spine. But it, there's yeah. obviously a connection there. Okay, so let's see. The fifth chakra is the Vishuddha. Vishuddha chakra, or throat chakra. It's blue, color blue. This chakra is located at the base of the throat, coinciding with the thyroid gland. It is associated with inspiration, healthy expression, faith, and the ability to communicate well. A blockage in the throat chakra may be experienced as timidity, quietness, a feeling mm. of weakness, or the inability to express our thoughts. When this chakra is balanced, it enables creativity, positive self-expression, constructive communication, and a sense of satisfaction. So that's a good one to keep in balance. The seed yeah. mantra, which is often to, or the mantra, is HAM, or H-A-M. And I'm assuming, you know, the, I didn't really spend much time learning about the mantras. Essentially, I look at it, think about energy and wavelength and how scientifically, uh, from an engineer's perspective, when you think about sounds and sound waves, how they can affect living things. And they do. Think about the music we listen to out of Texas. In a mantra, I can see how those specific you know, wavelengths of sound could help balance the energy in your body. So that, to me, from a scientific perspective, makes total sense. And how they decided which one affected which, which uh, chakra or, or energy balance in the body, I don't know, but they did. And so apparently they, they work. So here we go. Number six. Any comments, Nikki? Um, no, no, I, I don't know much about the, the mantra mantras. Okay. Yeah. But you're not uh, praying to a deity. So for those of you who, who, at least that's the way I understand it, so don't, uh, some people are like afraid of these kinds of things because um, they think somehow they're, they might be doing something that goes against their own religion. Uh, and so if you do investigate a little more, read a little more, I think you'll find that it, it can add and benefit to your general health and well-being. And you're not uh, praying to a false god or, or something along those lines if you're religious and you're doing these things directly because in and of itself and their benefits is, is, a, is a sideline to the religion. But it may make mm -hmm. you more interested in looking up Hinduism and Buddhism and learning more about it. Anyway, I always find it interesting, though I have my own specific religion. I like to learn more and more about all the other beliefs out there. I think they make us a more well-rounded human being and, and uh, give us a a better education as to how religions developed, came about, and, and mm. makes sense to people. I mean, how do you how do you begin to understand a people look at perceive the world totally different than you you do unless you learn what they believe, right? True. I yeah. Think that's why so many wars and just cont contentions occur because we just don't understand each other well enough. Yeah. Anyway, see the next chakra is indigo. There's no element attached to this one. 
It's, it's also called the uh, Ajna Chakra. Adja is another pronunciation. It's located between the eyebrows, also referred to as the third eye. You've seen those movies where they got like an eyeball right between the eyes there. Uh, sometimes yes. they put them there. Well, that would be that third chakra. <laughs> it is so often used as a focal point during asana practice to develop more concentration awareness. It is said that um, meditating upon this chakra destroys the karma of past lives and brings oh. liberation and intuitive knowledge. So if you're a believer in past lives, reincarnation, then that's a connection there. If you're not, no problem. They, I'm not one that uh, is into past life belief, but uh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, let's see. Its attributes are intelligence, intuition, insight, and self-knowledge. When imbalanced, it may make you feel non-assertive and afraid of success. Or, on the contrary, it may make you more egotistical. An imbalance can manifest as physical problems like headaches, blurry vision, and eye strain. When this chakra is active and balanced, a person feels more vibrant and confident, both spiritually and emotionally. In the absence of the fear of death, one becomes his own master and remains free of all attachments to material things. So, there's a big benefit, right? we got to have the basics, right? And be content yeah. where we are, but uh, this... The balancing of the chakra appears to help you to be content with what you have and not be as so obsessed of just obtaining more. So yeah. We can all use a little bit of that, right? I think so, for sure. The, uh, the chakra or the mantra is OM. O M. OM. Oh, that one sounds familiar. Yeah, doesn't it? You've seen that? Yeah. <laughs> OM. OM. Yep. Okay. Not to I feel make like fun I've of. said that in yoga class or something. Yeah, it could be. You know, it might, I'm sure, in yoga classes, you know, I. I been in yoga classes before and the yoga instructors don't go into these kinds of things necessarily typically they're just like you're just performing the moves um, yet others will talk a little bit more about it or yeah repeat this with this mantra while you're doing it it'll help balance you but often don't go into the details though I'm sure there are some that do uh, the crown chakra the last crown. one number seven the shahashrara chakra is located in the crown of the head the seventh chakra is a center of spirituality, enlightenment, and dynamic thought and energy. It allows for the inward flow of wisdom and brings the gift of cosmic consciousness. When it gets imbalanced, one might suffer from a constant sense of frustration, melancholy, and destructive feelings. The mantra is AUM. A -U -M. What color is the crown one? Uh, there is no element tied to it, but it's violet or white. And interestingly enough, it talks about the your feelings are if it's off but doesn't really talk about this one what your feelings would be if it's good if it's it's, it's working well is that That's, the enlightenment part yeah it looks like maybe you're lacking in in the enlightenment spirituality enlightenment dynamic thought and energy it allows for the inward flow of wisdom and brings the gift of cosmic consciousness what call cosmic consciousness i just suppose you could say it just gives more awareness of your surroundings you know sometimes we come up so so obsessed and have tunnel vision that uh, to yeah. me it makes me think smell the flowers you know can you take mm -hmm. a moment can you take a break and just enjoy your existence and surroundings around you or are you on a constant quest to just accomplish a task yeah i feel like i was kind of like that last year yeah I just 
solely focused on learning and within the acting, like taking as many classes as possible and just constantly focused on what should I be doing to learn more, continue learning, 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 learning. And I wasn't stopping to enjoy, like you say, like smell the roses or whatever. I just, and this year I've really tried to focus my word of the year is balance. And so I want to focus on balancing my work and my play because I want to enjoy my life more this year. And I think you are definitely on track. Sounds great. Um, that's the way we sh all should be looking for balance. But it's so much harder to do, but easy to talk about like so many things. It's like, I often think of it as, you know, we have a vast amount of knowledge. My problems aren't knowing what to do. It's actually doing it. The knowledge mm -hmm. is there, but we often ignore it or we lose focus on really what matters. And so it sounds like you found your pathway back to what matters. Having balance and enjoying life, not just, uh, you know, we need goals, we need purpose, we need to move forward, but we need to have a balance of time. We need to take time to enjoy our lives, take breaks, enjoy things, take time off. And oftentimes I find if I take time off now and then I can come back to it stronger and more focused. Yeah, than, focused. Than, so you, you've got to have, you've got to take the time off and the time away. Um, and it gives you, can often, if you're trying to solve a problem, you can come up with a solution just by getting away from it for a while and coming back to it, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because for whatever reason, going away from it, you like take the pressure off of figuring it out or, and then it just comes to you. Yes. So I want to read here a, uh, some last parts related to chakras, according to this article. It says, chakras are associated with the organs and glands of the particular region where they are located. As such, they have a strong bearing on our health, our mind state, and our relation with others. Based on various factors such as our lifestyle, environment, and surroundings, past experiences, etc., the chakras can either be balanced or imbalanced. If a chakra is imbalanced, it goes into either a hyperactive or a hypoactive mode. A hypoactive or block chakra functioning is either insufficient or reduced. Likewise, the hyperactive chakra means there is too much energy flowing into that particular region, and as such, there is an imbalance in the overall flow of energy throughout the body. Since chakras are interrelated, when one of them is imbalanced, it causes a disturbance in the functionality of the other chakras as well. This makes people feel disconnected, anxious, fearful, and is also manifest as health problems in one or more areas of the body. So they would connect back to if you're having issues with specific organ systems in your body that uh, there may be other things going on, but there's definitely some imbalance in the chakra at the same time. To function at their best, your chakras need to be balanced. And for this, you need to know what the chakras actually do and what are some of the things you can do to take care of them. Function and importance of the chakras. The chakras act as distribution centers. They distribute the five pranas to their associated local regions. For example, the root chakra will disturb the apana prana to the pelvic region and provide energy for the organs in this region. When a chakra is blocked or not functioning properly, this distribution pattern gets disturbed and physical or psycho-emotional energy issues rise. Some of the wording used, you know, you might look up a prana or prana, 
part of the channels, it appears, that uh, this energy flows through. Ways to balance or awaken the chakras. Every chakra rotates at a specific frequency and speed. This frequency and speed can change due to various factors like diet. Here we go, what affects the chakras? See, diet, lifestyle, thought patterns. So those three things are often associated with dysfunction of the chakra. And we're constantly going back mm -hmm. to diet, right? The way it affects our health and our brain mm -hmm. and, and our gut flora and on and on and on. An imbalance starts creating problems with the distribution of the pranas. So lack of energy throw, flow going through the channels or too much. Imagine what will happen if a 50-watt light bulb starts getting a 500-watt or 10-watt electricity supply. When we speak about balancing or awakening the chakras, we mean bringing it back to its regular speed. So there you go. You can adopt the following yeah. tools to balance the chakras. Diet. One of the main reasons for an imbalance in the chakras is an imbalance of the five elements in the body. A balanced diet helps to bring balance into the elements of the body. And we're always talking about diet here. Ansanas. Ansanas help stimulate the chakras and improve their functioning. They also clear the way for the chakras to heal themselves. Breathing. Breathing helps to increase the flow of prana in the body and removes the stale prana. So you can have stagnant, stagnant energy. Meditation helps to clear the mind and removes negative and manipulation in a person. Meditation helps what to clear the mind. What was the second one you said? Asanas? Yeah. Asanas. Help to stimulate the chakras and improve their functioning. They also clear the way for their chakras to heal themselves. That's part of the uh, exercise and the mantras. Hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, exercise and mantras. Well, the, you know, like performing the yoga, doing the man saying the mantra, the relation of the chakras. Of oh, the chakras, yeah. Okay. The, Got it. Thank you. And doing the meditation and repeating the, the uh, mantras as well. Kind of a similar thing, except your body's not in the act of moving at that time. Covered some interesting stuff. And that pretty much covers what I know about chakras. So it sounds like it's similar to um, Reiki and acupuncture in that it's a flow of energy and there can be a blocked flow of energy in a certain chakra, which can affect your body in certain ways. And there are things that affect your chakras or diet, lifestyle and thought patterns, you said. It does fall into like the natural healing that we've been discussing on the podcast. So, it, yeah, it makes sense that you would want to cover it. Well, and it's um, also could be used as a form of diagnosis and, and treatment. Something to be considered when looking at someone's health. Is there energy out of balance? And if it is, how do we balance it? Different methods are balancing the chakras through the, the different ways we talked about there. Uh, other ways through Reiki is a form of balancing the energy um, as we discussed in previous podcasts and acupuncture as well. So different ways to balance the energy through the body, different philosophies as to how the energy flows and how it's affecting the organs and the physical world and the emotional, spiritual side of things. It's all interconnected and all useful in its benefit to us both emotionally and physically. I would say yeah. uh, don't for things that have been used for thousands of years and where people have found benefit, uh, don't uh, throw it away just because it doesn't fit into the Western scientific model. Uh, yeah, that's true. You know, so many things. If one thing's not working, try another. Yes, open up your crown chakra, right? Yes. 
Open up to the wisdom. Yes, open (laughs) up to the wisdom of of, uh, that exists in the world. Don't shut it off just because one person makes it sound like it's too weird or bizarre. Uh, Because we don't know about it. No. And yeah, uh, you know, like uh, it just sounds different because we haven't studied it before. Sometimes. Yes. The remake of Dune just came out. In in that, I always like the I like sci-fi stuff. Began writing a sci-fi book one time still have it so anyway really into it but uh, here i get off topic again but uh i really like the the wording used in there that fear is the mind killer and i think mm. it's so true you know we become afraid of something and we don't go seek it out or try to learn anything about it we're just afraid if we learn something about it i, I think often times certain religions kind of do that to people where they make them afraid to learn because they think it's somehow uh, demonic or 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 evil, and uh, there's mm-hmm. good and evil found everywhere, in my opinion, and uh, and in every religion there's good and evil to be found, uh, and so you need to find the good, and make it useful in your life, and to me that helps bring more happiness, and and you, people are intuitive, they can tell what feels good and what feels bad, and I say, follow that, follow those feelings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like. I'm always open to hearing new healing modalities and things that have worked in the past because I feel like, you know, what we use today is so modern and so different from years past. And why wouldn't we accept the wisdom of the people before us? Yeah, that's that's really what it is, isn't it? Our Western society has began to try to throw away the past and, and ignore it. Right. But we're coming back. We're circling back around. And I, I think there's a place to integrate the, the current technology and future technology that's discovered and combine it with the knowledge and wisdom of the past to, to ultimately achieve a happier, healthy life for human beings. And that's really the goal, right? Yeah, it seems like the simpler, almost the, the more natural, the better. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. So thanks so much, Nikki. Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Kel. That was really interesting learning about the chakras and how they tie into yoga and all the different ways that we can get out of balance and how to get back in balance through them. I liked how you tied the chiropractic and the spine to where the chakras are kind of aligned. Yep. They all exist in that area, except for the one on the top of the head. Yeah, if we could just extend our spine up. <laughs> although although we do work on the cranial bones in the head as well. True. All active. All right. Well, if you um, listeners have any other questions, you can email healthtalkwithdrkell at gmail.com. That's D-R-K-E-L-L. And um, Dr. Kell, is there anything else that you wanted us to cover? Share our podcast with your friends. If you're... Uh... Yeah. Getting anything, learning anything from our podcast, please share it with others and uh, spread the word and help each other become more healthy and live healthier, happier, better quality of life. That's our goal here. Uh, also, uh, our, to our sponsors, OceanBayNaturals.com, health and hygiene products, check those out. And, and if you're needing supplements and want to get the really good ones, uh, you can go to holistichealth.standardprocess.com purchase supplements there. You can also, if you're seeking health care, better understanding of your own 
problems and needing our help, you can email us. Send an email to that email and we'll contact you back. Uh, we, Dr. Ingrid and I both do uh, phone visits for nutrition and emotional care. Send us an email. We'll make a connection. Yes, and they're wonderful. I, I definitely vouch for them. <laughs> They've helped me so much. So, All right, everybody. We drop our podcasts every Tuesday, so come and find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, Dr. Cal. Thank you, Nikki. Have a great day. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. While we make every effort to broadcast correct information, we are still learning. We will double-check all facts, but realize that medicine is a constantly changing science and art. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another. We are simply presenting our views on how to live a healthy lifestyle that will be as evidence-based as possible. We welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. We take no money from drug or device companies. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Kel Fullerton or any guests or any contributors to the podcast or any employees, associates, or affiliates of Dr. Kel Fullerton be responsible for damages arising from use of this podcast. This blog should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis of expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Our website, blog, and podcasts are all HIPAA compliant. While you may give your email address to subscribe to the website posts or to post information on the website blog, we will never share your email address or contact information with any third parties without your explicit permission. The contents of Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast and the show notes are all copyrighted. All blog posts, podcasts, and show notes that are distributed to the public for free can be redistributed via hard copy or electronic copy for free only if Health Talk with Dr. Kell is included as the acknowledged author within the actual media that is being redistributed. The Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast is a production of The Orange Stack with executive producers Dr. Kell Fullerton and Eric Hammond and hosts Nikki Sterling.